Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenceless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then they wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know when they, when they found those bones at Nancy Spain's, was it last year? I remember saying here one morning there was a, <coughs> a few characters had um, disappeared around the time that Nancy Spain's was the place to be in Cork. There was a few queer hawks and a few fights down the back of the place. And you'd, you'd, <laughs> I'm wondering, was it any remnant of the great heady days of the 90s in Nancy Spain's? Brilliant photograph, gruesome but brilliant photograph on the front page of the Examiner this morning and Old English has the story those two guys they think it's two anyway whose bodies remains bones were found during the excavation or archaeological dig at Nancy Spain they date back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years they also found fascinating evidence that the city itself the, the inner city as we'd call it or the walled part of the city might actually have been a lot bigger than we thought it was that's worth watching. Good, good coverage of that in your newspapers this morning. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. I trust the weekend went well for you. Uh, next weekend looks warm and dry. Sun, sunny on Friday. Little bit of the warm stuff. Little bit of summer coming to us. Maybe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Will it hold into Saturday and Sunday? Nobody's saying for sure. Alan at uh, Carla Weather, not 100% sure. He says, Friday looks like being an absolute scorcher, but Saturday could drop back to the temp- which we've been experiencing uh, could happen again. We, we don't know just for sure, but there is an improvement coming this week. I have tickets to give you for Elton John at Parquet Cueve on the 1st of July. They're happening all this week. Tell you more about it in a little while. But first off, when was the last time you put fuel in your car? Did you put, did you put fuel in it this morning uh, as you were coming in? And as I was coming in this morning, I watched some of the prices 
uh, around the place and I saw a, a 218 for petrol and I saw a 203 for diesel looked at pumps.ie they're in or around the, the average uh, the AA does a very good breakdown quite frequently it's updated quite frequently on the, how much tax you're paying out of your litre of petrol or diesel so if you're looking at 218 on a pump this morning then 114 of that 1 euro 14 cent of that 218 is tax and if you're looking at 203 for diesel 94 cent of that in total is tax now tax is money to the government so the, the government's taking half pretty much of every sup of diesel and petrol we put into our cars Kevin McPartlin is the CEO of Fuels for Ireland. Now, now Kevin, I, I do hear a lot about petrol pump people, garage owners, uh, sort of playing the poor mouth. Like, how much do you guys make on average out of 218 for a litre of petrol? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Um, it, what we make on a litre of fuel really doesn't depend on the, on the pump price. It's not like we add a percentage, as the government does, um, there the, the tends to be, as a, as, a, as a rule, people's starting point is that they add a set number of cents. So whether it's two cent per litre or five cent per litre, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter whether the whether the fuel is one fifty mm. euro at the pump but or what two is it euro though? at the pump. What is it though? Well, it, I mean, it's, it's a matter of commercial confidence, and it depends on on on, on different operations and different forecasts, their operating costs, whatever. But what I can say to you is, is it single it, figures of cent? Is it double figures of cent? Oh, it would definitely not be double fig- figures anywhere, I would imagine. <clears throat> but what I would say is that if you go in today and put 70 or 80 euros diesel into your car and I follow you and I put in uh, and I buy a, a, a cappuccino for 250, they'll make considerably more profit on the cappuccino than they will on the fuel. That's the nature of this business. The, the, the margins on fuel itself are terrifically low, very, very low. Now, of course, you sell high volumes, you sell you know, maybe thousands of litres a day. Yeah. So, so, you know, we're not playing the poor mouth. All we want is, is a reasonable a reasonable living out of it. But what well, you, were, you were making a living when it was 120, 130 and 140. And what I'm saying to you is... And was the take the same then, now. Kevin? Was the take the same? You know, okay, you say for commercial reasons you can't give us a number. That's fine. But was the number the same when it was like 118 or 130? Yes. As it, is it okay? Yes. Yeah, so, so what, what has changed, and, and largely due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, there's a couple of other smaller factors, but that's the, that's the main thing. The wholesale prices of fuel have rocketed, and, and they're publicly available. You can go on to Platts is the name of the, of, the, of the pricing service. You can find out the wholesale price of diesel every single day, and you will see that the fuel pump prices that you and I pay when we go and fill our car or when we go and um, fill the home heating oil tank follows those prices very, very accurately. So what it, what, So as the wholesale prices have gone up, our profit margin stays the same, uh, but government's take is increasing because they put VAT onto this at 23%. So right now, even though there was an excise duty cut of 15 cent per litre on diesel and 20 cent per litre on petrol back in March, right now, government is collecting six or seven cent more per litre than they were this time and, last year. And petrol and diesel are even more expensive now than they were before that cut was made. Exactly. The wholesale prices are considerably higher than but they the were But the price of the barrel, Kevin, was higher in previous times. The price of the actual barrel of oil 
has been far higher. And, and, and that's a bit of a red herring, PJ, I have to Why? say. Because, well, barrels of crude oil... First of all, we don't sell crude oil. We no, sell no, 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 but no, that's where and it starts. It starts with the yeah. oil that comes yeah. out of the ground and goes into the barrel. And, and if the barrel is more expensive, then we expect the fuel pump to be more expensive. Therefore, if the barrel is less expensive, we expect the fuel pump to be less expensive. Like, it, 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 it's... It's your raw material. So your raw material is less expensive. So why is the final product so much more expensive? Okay, I was going to come to it. So, so we don't sell crude. So the crude comes, it, the crude is, 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 is um, extracted wherever it's extracted from. That has to be transported across the world in compliance with very, very tight health and safety and environmental protections, which are entirely appropriate. Mm-hmm. There's biofuels that need to be added in. The refining process is very expensive. The refining process is very energy heavy. So that's, a, that's more expensive now than it ever was before. And then you also have to factor in the currency. So crude oil barrel prices are in dollars. You have to look at what the um, exchange rate between dollars and euro is to see how that is impacting too. So the, the, the price of, of crude oil, if you take into the currency fluctuations, is a reasonable indicator, but two or three weeks out. But things are so are fluctuating so much in terms of all of the other elements that come into the price of a refined product that you have to look at the wholesale prices. And that's the, that's the only real indicator right now because things are so volatile. Yeah. You see, I get messages in like this one. Um, and this is coming from Australia. We've listeners there listening in the evening time. In Western Australia, we pay the equivalent of a euro thirty for diesel. The government are laughing at the Irish people. Well, I, I won't say what the government uh, are or are not doing, but what I can tell you is that if you look at the European Commission, every every week they publish a bulletin on fuel prices. Before tax, Ireland is the nineteenth most expensive country out of the EU27 mm. for, for diesel. Oh, look, there's no... After I'm not tax, arguing with you about the tax, after, Kevin. After I gave tax, the figures when we came to you. That's where, that's where the difference is, the tax. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do? Well, we can't change tax. Government can change tax. And we have suggested to them that they need to review the total tax take from fuels. They need to give people a break. They need to bring it back in line with what they're expecting. We're not asking for them to get less than they were expecting to get from their from their fuel taxation we're asking them to get what they were expecting so that means bring it back in line with what they were getting last year mm. and yeah. that can be done in a number of ways like dennis Knockton last week talked about making the carbon tax dynamic so that if fuel prices increase the carbon tax reduces if if fuel prices decrease the carbon tax would increase um and, and that seems to be a sensible option the government tell us they can't change vat because of EU regulation, but other countries have, so I'm not sure why that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and, fair. You know, Spain, have, Spain have done it, Italy have done it, I think Belgium yeah. have done it, yeah. Yeah, and, there, and of course there is the option of, 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 of looking at, the, uh, looking at um, the excise duty again. Yeah, at the moment the excise duty off, and I'm, I'm going by AA figures of, the, of late May, so ex, this is May 22nd, so excise on, including carbon tax, they roll it up into one figure, mm-hmm. excise including carbon tax on a litre of petrol on the 22nd May, according to the AA, was just under 63 cent, and on diesel was just under 52 cent. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, 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 it's a huge level of taxation. It's higher than the, the European average by, by a very considerable distance, even after the excise duty cuts that happened in March, and they were welcome. But I think we can now recognise they're inadequate. 
Mm. So you're saying another excise cut needs to be made? I, I, I'm not going to suggest to the Minister of Finance how he does it, because there's a number of you're different... You're giving options. an opinion on what you'd think yes. he could do. Let's well, look think, at the numbers. Think, the numbers say he. The numbers are saying sixty-three cent per liter on petrol and fifty-two on diesel, going straight to the government in the form of excise and carbon tax. They say they tell us, and we, even though it, the evidence from around the EU is different, but they tell us they cannot touch that. So what you're saying, do the excise? Go for the excise again. I'm, I'm, I'm saying there's a number of alternatives where, you know, this is not beyond the wit of humanity to find a resolution that, that brings the government, the total government's tax take, tax take on fuel products back in line with projections so that they're not getting six or seven cents per litre more from hard-pressed consumers today than they were this time last year. And how they do it is a matter for government. I'm just saying there is a need that mm. it, for it to be done. And, and Kevin, are you saying, because... It's what I'm hearing. Perhaps I'm wrong. Are you saying to me that fuels for Ireland, in other words, the, the petrol pumps, the, the garages, the big chains, the small chains, the single corner shop garages, are, where, are you saying your members are powerless here? Uh, absolutely. Because, as I say, the margins on fuel are so, so tight. There were days mm. in, the, in, in, the, in the immediate aftermath of the Russian invasion when there was a real crisis in, in trying to get supplies and, and, and keep costs to a, to a reasonable level, that people were selling at a loss. Now, not many days, but that did happen. Mm. You know, it's a matter of public record. It was said at an Aratus uh, community. People were selling at a loss for a time. That obviously cannot be sustained. People need to be able to operate their businesses. And the margins on fuel are tiny. As I say, they're really, really small. Well, you see, so, we are taking your word for it there, Kevin. And I know for commercial sensitivity and all that, but we are taking your word for it. Uh, that that the margins are tiny, and and you you gave me the the, the cappuccino comparison. So we we can do nothing but take your organisation's word for it that the margins are tiny. But your group is a very powerful lobby group representing a vast number of businesses across the country. And and one thing you know when you do this job a while, and when you observe politics uh, for a while, is no big lobby group is as powerless as it claims to be. Well. <laughs> I'm sitting here alone in my one-man office laughing at the idea of being a big, powerful lobby group. Uh, we have 10 members. <clears throat> but, but look, we, we provide 50% of the total energy for this country. I'm frustrated at, at, at the level of power that we have because, you know, there, is, there has been over a long period of time an attitude which is we don't want to deal with the oil industry, dirty fossil fuels. They're not the future. We're going in a different direction. And we are going in a different direction. And that's, that's what our industry is doing. And I don't feel we'd be giving, we are being given an opportunity to make the, the maximum contribution that we can do because there is a reluctance to engage with us. Um, so, I, I, listen, I'd be delighted if we had the sort of power that you think we have, um, but, but it's, it genuinely isn't there. We are making a noise. We are pointing this out. I'm here on your radio station, mm, delighted mm, to I be on it, yeah. to, 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 make, to make these points. And I'm hoping that that will actually increase the pressure on government to, to, to actually take some action here. Mm. Because what you have, you have the government is going out of its way to say that it is doing everything it can to, to, to manage the cost of living and particularly in relation to fuel prices. Yeah. They're not doing everything they can do. We've talked about the tax. There was also the story in the Independent at the weekend. Oh, Nora. There was a, a promised Nora levy reduction, which is, has not been delivered. No. And we were told on Saturday, we've never been told this by the department. Yeah. We read in the newspaper on, on, on Saturday that they're not going to do that now. Now, that would, now that pro, the reduction in Nora would have knocked one cent off. 
it's not a huge it's not a huge amount of money. I'm not suggesting that it is, but it does indicate that that when the government is saying we are doing everything we can do to keep the cost of fuel down, that's not correct. But their argument is if we don't have the Nora in place, which is basically Nora, as it's called, is is a levy on every litre of fuel so that we can keep a reserve in stock if we ever found ourselves stuck. So you would we have that we have yeah. the stock. So that, so, so there was an, uh, an argument made that we need that money to maintain the stock. The stock is there. It, right. it has been bought, and they also have 300 million in reserve. So that's a spurious argument. It's, it's, it's misleading to say okay. that they need that money to maintain the Norris stock. Okay. Just one question that's come in here, uh, Kevin. How does the price at the pump go up and down every day when the station has the tanks filled and bought at set prices? So if I fill, I get the, the, the tank under my forecourt, if I fill that today at a certain purchase price, how come the price on my pump changes every day or two while that existing stock is still in the ground? That's a valid question. It's, it's an entirely valid question because people don't, don't tend to understand how, how, how this business operates. So you will have some service stations that might get, a, you know, particularly rural parts of, uh, of the country. I'm, despite my funny accent, I'm from North Cork. And, you know, if I think of, you know, the, the service station in Donrail that, that we would fill up in when we're down to the family, it might, might get a fill once every four or five, six, seven days even. If you're thinking about the the large uh, urban um, forecourts, they could be getting more than one a day. They could be getting sure. I mean, the stations. They get four or five sure. deliveries a day. But the guy so, up in Donnerail who fills uh-huh. up today won't have to fill again for three to four weeks. But his no, price three will vary. Days, three to four days, I'm saying. Okay. And, right. it's, and, and it's there are occasions where a price may fluctuate within uh, a delivery window because they're saying, "Well, listen, I'm actually going to have to pay a lot more." for the next wholesale batch, so they try and bring a little bit extra in. But in the main, people maintain a price for a delivery, for a stock that they have in. There's a, there's a lot of myths in this industry that people have weeks and weeks of stock under the ground of the forecourt. That's never the case. Mm. Uh, there's also some myths that, that the oil companies are storing months in the terminals. That's never the case. Mm. So, so it, you know, we have to base it on facts. Like the, the, the question that's never answered and... Well, I'll give you a go, but it never seems to get answered. How come one garage at one end of a town can be 225 and five miles west at the other end, it's 207? I'll try and answer it. So the, 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 the first garage may have got their delivery a week ago when, when prices were at a different level. Uh, also, you may have a situation where the operating costs of the two garages are very different. So if you think of like the most extreme example is the motorway service stations where the cost of operating a motorway service station are far, far higher than they are for a, a, a small rural service station that has a big convenience store, for example. So the, the operating costs of the businesses are different also. Mm. Oh, yeah. That, that is, is that how you answer this one, for example, which is coming up? Garage A sells at 209, Garage B sells at 219. Then surely Garage B is making 10 cent on top of the profit Garage A was well, making. G- garage, garage B may have paid 10 cent more on the wholesale prices because they bought a number of days later when the price increase has gone up. And I have to say, PJ, I, you know, look, I speak to a lot of media people. And about half of the calls are, how are all the prices exactly the same? It's clearly sort of price fixing, blah, blah, blah. And the other half are, how can you explain that there's a huge difference between prices? You know, it's the nature of this business. You know, people will have different prices based on when they, what they have paid for their wholesale fuel. And that, at the moment, this is a really extreme situation. At the moment, prices are fluctuating so much 
that if you buy today and I buy on Wednesday, I could be paying a very, very different wholesale price to you. Okay. It's one we'll follow with more in- with, with, with considerable interest uh, and more as closely as we can. Kevin, thank you. Kevin McPartland, CEO of Fuels for Ireland. A North Cork man, you wouldn't think it from the accent, but he is indeed. Thanks, Kevin. 0818969696. Look, whatever he says, generally they did. There's just retail analysis and price analysis from, you know, would tell you that before the crisis in Ukraine, the margin was around nine cent per litre that they made off every litre. About nine cent for the retailer per litre. It's probably lower now because they've had to absorb lots of extra costs. But that's, it's less than 10 cent per litre. Before Ukraine, they reckon, the the analysts that look at these things reckon it was about nine cent per litre. It's probably a bit less than that now. 0818 96 96 96. But one thing is for certain, and those figures I calculated this morning based on the AA's uh, analysis of the tax take, if you paid 218 for your, Kevin says 219.9, sure 220, Kevin, this morning, then 110 roughly or 111 of that was tax. And if you paid diesel at 203 this morning, then 94 cent of that was tax. And and that's a fact. And that's a fact that's not going away. 0818 96 96 96. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Simon. Catch me in the afternoon with the biggest tunes from your favourite artists. Hi, Ed Sheeran here. Hi, this is Adele. Hey, it's me, Justin Bieber. Latest celebrity news. We're talking Top Gun. Does Tom Cruise still have it? He does. Stupid question, Simon. I've got plenty of giveaways. Oh my God, are you serious? And if you want to ring me up for a chat, that's okay too. Simon, how are you, boy? Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. on Corks 96 FM. I'm going to do this one uh, before I move on to Elaine, guys, because there must be one out there somewhere. Uh, Good morning, PJ. I'm hoping to get your help. We're bringing Amy on her first holiday away to New York next week, and she's decided she wanted a My Little Pony suitcase, a carry-on with wheels on it. It has to have Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy. As you know, we'll do anything to make this trip run smoothly. I can't seem to source one. It would make her holiday if I could get it for her. I'm hoping one of your listeners might have one hanging around that they might not want or need up in the attic somewhere. Uh, thanks, PJ, for your help. Uh, that's uh, from D, Amy's mum. Uh, if anyone's got one of those little My Little Pony carry-on suitcases with those characters on a Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy, you could really make, not only make a certain little girl's holiday, but make the whole family's holiday, if you could sort it. Let me know if you can. 0818 96 96 96. Now, there's a childcare... Uh, we were asked to check this out, and we did. Uh, there's a childcare outlet in the suburbs. Um, parents have been contacting us with concerns... Uh, saying that places they were depending on for September might not be available anymore. Uh, That was their first concern. And then some of the listeners got some assurances, but there's a a bit of confusion as to where exactly parents stand with this particular outlet. And a lot of concerns, obviously, because among the people depending on it, they're working mums who have arrangements to make for jobs and things. Now, we're not naming the business... They're trying to resolve the situation. We don't want to damage any attempt of theirs to do that. 
I've been working on this behind the scenes over the weekend. Fergal has been doing some legwork on it. And there are also some conflicting reports as to what exactly is going on with places for September. But it's an anxious time for parents and families because that's just one isolated incident of confusion. But it's everywhere. Let's bring in Elaine Dunn. Uh, from the the chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers and a regular on the opinion line. Elaine, good morning. Good morning, PJ. A lot of uncertainty. We've talked before, you and I, about the problems facing the industry and the problems facing staying open and keeping the lights on for so many of your members. But there's a lot of doubt now about places for September. No, absolutely. Um, in Dublin alone, in the last couple of weeks, we've heard of two large services closing down, another one in Wicklow. Now, these, these are full day care Along with the sessional services, those those small ECC services, we are now looking at full daycares now closing their doors as well. So it's time the government started listening because this is just a mess. I've been contacted by parents from the, the one in Bray because I would be close enough to it. And sure, we've got a three-year waiting list. I've put it out there with other services. They've got three-year waiting list. So these children now have nowhere to go whatsoever. And it's going to be the same all over the country. All over the country. We know parents are struggling. We know they can't find places. But what are the government going to do about it now? We can't keep our businesses open and be unsustainable. And now we're at a point with the ECC services. These services can't even take a wage with the new funding. They can't even take a wage for themselves. Mm. So the provider is going to do without the wage to try and keep the business open for September, for the, for this year coming in. But they're closing the doors next year, 100%. Yeah. And a we, lot more are going to follow. We did this a week or two ago. We talked to a number of local providers who said, look, they're going to stay open for September, but that looks like being the end of the road. They're, they're, they're keeping with the commitments they made to families, which is decent of them, but they're literally doing it at a loss already. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And they, they, another reason that they can't close the doors this year is because of redundancy, because they don't have the money to pay the redundancies either. Yeah. And that's a big issue. So what, you know, so it's just getting worse. What can and should happen? I mean, you know, the government, when you start challenging them on stuff like this, they'll say, oh, there's no magic money tree. But, but something's got to be done. Oh, no, 100% something has to be done. We are going into Speak in the Doll on the 22nd, and we're also speaking in there on Wednesday of this week. Um, thankfully, Porig O'Sullivan from Cork mm-hmm. has brought us in to speak on Wednesday, and then we're back in the following week to speak again. And on that day, on the 22nd, we're holding a protest outside, and we're inviting all of the TDs to come out and meet with these service mm-hmm. providers who are closing their doors next year and who are closing their doors this year. And when you go into the government and you outline the situation, I'm sure the first question back will be, well, what do you want us to do? Well, what we want them to do is go back into their back pockets and look for more funding to help sustain these businesses, keep them open. You know, at the end of the day, we are businesses. You know, we have to be able to make a profit. There's no doubt about it. But that's not even allowed. I mean, that seems to be a, a dirty word within our sector is profit. And like you're not in any business, PJ, without making a profit. Mm. You know, and most of us that would make a profit will be pumping it back in to, you know, to fix up the service after years worth of work and children in there, toys get broken, equipment gets broken and you're replacing all of that again for the new people coming in in September. That's what happens. Most of us put back in the money. We mm. don't take it and head off to the sunset, mm. to Mauritius or somewhere like that. You know, everything goes back in to our business. Yeah. And now there's nothing to put back in. There's nothing to give. If providers are going to do without their wages to keep their businesses open this year, that's not okay. No, it's not okay. No, it's not. You know, for parents as well, you know, I'm sorry for parents. I've been contacted a lot by parents in the last couple of weeks and they're in panic mode. 
So we, we have parents coming to join us outside Leinster House on the 22nd. We're going in there to protest from half 11 till two o'clock. Mm. And we're asking for any parents who are in, in this position where they can't find places to come and join us outside Leinster House. And let's make them listen to yeah. us. One thing about being a parent and being a parent of small children, and, and thankfully I'm, I'm, I'm out of that thick woods now, thankfully, but you've got a plan. And in June, you've got to have a plan for what's happening with the children in September. And this local case, we're not naming the business because, we, to be fair, we understand they're doing their level best to sort it out. But to, to, to be going around it in June wondering where Smalley is going in September so I can go to work or something, that's anxiety nobody needs in the current scenario. No, and absolutely. And no parent should be going through that. But unfortunately, a lot of parents are going through that at the moment. Because if services are closing down and then there's, there's these waiting lists for over two or three years, they don't they don't have any options. Yeah. Like they'll have to lean on their family. They'll have to lean on childminders, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever they can to help them out. And that's no way to be going into work every day with that stress either. You know, parents are stressed, providers are stressed, the staff are stressed. Mm. That's not okay. The government have made a mess of this. I think it's a lot of working mothers, Elaine, just dropping out of the workforce here. Absolutely. And then the economy is going to suffer. And then the government, would, will they listen then? Who knows? You know, that's why I am trying to encourage as many parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, meet us outside Leinster House on the 22nd. 22nd Unless, June. Remind me again, because I don't, I don't have a date and a calendar in front of me. What day of the week is that? It's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, so they'll actually be... They'll be there on this Yeah, no, they are there. And that was the whole point was we're going in at three o'clock. So the protest has to finish at two o'clock. And then in order for us to go into Leinster House, then at three o'clock. All right. Elaine, thank you very much. Elaine Dunn uh, from the uh, Federation of Early Childhood Providers, Leinster House, 22nd of June, Wednesday. 0818 96 96 96. I'll brighten up the morning. For you, Elton John is at Parky Cueve Friday, July 1st. It's his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. Final opportunity to see him live in Cork. Ever, excuse me, as he prepares to retire. Finally. God, he's been retiring for about 15 years. And every time he tours, is better. Anyway, tickets available for that gig at Ticketmaster.ie. But I have a pair of tickets every day this week on the Opinion Line. Tickets to see Elton John, Parky Cueve, Friday, 1st July. And on Friday, I will take one daily winner and upgrade them to a pre-concert meal for two at Sober Lane, Park's lively gastro pub in the heart of the city. All right. It's a song titles thing. I'm going to give you a right version and a wrong version of a song title. You need to pick the right one. And text a WhatsApp, 83 with the right one and your name. All right? So for today, is it goodbye yellow brick road or goodbye purple brick road? Is it goodbye yellow brick road or goodbye purple brick road? Text the answer and your name, 083-396-9696. We'll pick a winner before quitting time. Ready to meet the Corks 96 FM Street Fleet. Heading your way soon.
Meet the Corks 96 FM Street Fleet at the Cork Summer Show this Saturday and Sunday, June 18th and 19th at the showgrounds. There's loads happening for all the family, including arts and crafts, cooking demos, play zones, live entertainment and lots more. Join the Street Fleet this Saturday and Sunday at the Cork Summer Show. Corks 96 FM. Yeah, is it goodbye Yellow Brick Road or goodbye Purple Brick Road? You tell me at 083 396 96 96 and don't forget to add your name. Now, should dole payments or job seekers allowance, should they be, re- or benefit, should they be related to what you were earning? Now, if you were lose, if you lost your job, God forbid anyone would, if you lost your job this Friday, your claim obviously benefits. Uh, those benefits are fixed. But should they be related to what you were actually earning before you lost your job? The SRI has been looking at this. Uh, Tiano Kakadulu, I hope I've got the name right. Tiano, good morning. You've one of the uh, research officials been looking at this at the ESRI. Could we do it and should we do it? Good morning. Good morning. Just a little bit of background. During the pandemic, a couple of social welfare payments were enhanced and provided stronger linkages with previous earnings yeah. and stronger cushioning of income of those of out of work due to unemployment or illness. And this uh, gave rise to calls to make this strengthening uh, in the case of job seekers benefit uh, permanent. And this also was part of the current program of the government, uh, the commit for consideration of a more earning-related job seekers benefit. So in our report, we found that, first of all, Ireland is an outlier compared to other EU countries as far as earning-related benefits are concerned. And in general, there is a strong economic case of making this transition and linking the unemployment benefit with previous earnings. But we should be concerned because they also, these kind of reforms can come with a kind of cost that mm. are not small and they also may impact financial incentives to work. Yeah. Like if you lost your job today, you go on the flat rate benefit, which is very low. What would happen under a system where it was based upon your income? Okay. So we have a number of, of possible scenarios of how this link could be made, but let's make the let's make the most simple case. Let's say that you are a single individual and you earn the month per month two thousand five hundred euros and you become unemployed. During the current scheme you will receive per month nine hundred euros. During uh, if you make if you make the transition and you link the benefit with previous earnings at a sixty percent share of income as a replacement rate, you will receive high 1,500 1, euros per month. This mm. is almost double what you receive now in unemployment. Mm. Which would make it a lot easier to live for someone who is between jobs. It will be made for someone to live easier and it will also help automatic uh, macroeconomic stabilizers to be implemented. Uh, and this could be also provide a better uh, macroeconomic environment. This is also one of the reasons that during the pandemic we introduced the PAP, which has a higher rate. Mm. And also in this case, we know that if the IE also the benefit is low, people tend to receive the first job offer that they have. And in most of the cases, this is not the job that is better suited to the, for them. So in order to have a better also labor market, we need this kind of benefits. Yeah. What are the disincentives of it? Because there must be. The disincentives is that if you, are out of, if you receive a high, high percentage of your earnings, even if you are out of work, then you may not want to 
go back into employment. But there are ways to to, to take into account these things. Let's say you can have um, the share of income, of income that you receive during the employment. It can decrease gradually as time goes by. Let's say you can receive 9% of your previous earnings in the first in months and then decrease it to 80% and then to 70%. Yes. And that way you could, could become disincentivized, these bad things that are linked with earnings-related benefits. So that after a period of time, Tano, you would go from a high percentage of your previous earnings, but if you didn't actually t- get a new job or look for a new job, you would eventually drop yeah. down to a very flat rate yeah, exactly. This could be this could be one way to implement such a reform without having the disincentives of going for the unemployed to go into employment. Yeah, we kind of did that during the pandemic, didn't we? We gave people three hundred and fifty, regardless of what their previous earning had been. Exactly that, and it, this gives also rise to calls for linking other benefits like the maternity benefit or the illness benefit, or also making them this kind of benefits earnings related. Because during the pandemic, also we understood that we want people that are sick to stay at home and not go mm-hmm. back to employment, mm-hmm. and we increase this payment. We increase it from 200, 280 euros to three hundred fifty euros. This is almost double the payment, and that and we saw that people stayed at home when they were sick or they were needed to self isolate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This kind of linkage is uh, essential also for if we want to move forward and we want to prevent spreading of viruses in the future as well. Mm-hmm. And similar is the case for the maternity benefit, where Ireland is one of the only Ireland and Malta have a fixed rate. Yeah. And um, this could help <laughs> linking the maternity benefit with previous earnings could help also uh, close the gender wage gap. Okay. How would it do that? Most companies offer a kind of uh, earnings-related benefit. Most companies um, continue to pay your wage if you are getting married, and the big companies uh, continue to pay, to pay your wage when you are on leave, above the flat rate that the government gives you as a benefit. Yeah. But this is something that is taken into account when they decide if they will uh, hire a woman or not. And this is also taken into uh, account when they decide the weights that they will offer offer here. So they factor in this kind of cost that they expect, expect in the future. And I will be offered a lower weight from a male colleague with the same skills. Just because um, my I will have... You will need to be supported, should you... Yeah, I get you. I get you. They take the, they take the, yeah. the fact that you may go off on maternity leave... Uh, as you're perfectly entitled to, they they take that into account when they're when they're setting up a salary, or when or when they are hiring exactly. you. Exactly. Right. just one last question with regard to the pandemic benefit, and it's a question that's been asked a number of times. But there were people, and we all know them. There were people who maybe got a hundred or a hundred and twenty euro or a hundred and forty euro a week working part time, and they got a three hundred and fifty euro payment. Looking back at it now, was that a mistake? I don't know if you can call it a mistake. This is decisions that are made for this for the public. That was a general decision that we made as as a society that we need to enhance the income of people when they are becoming unemployed during the pandemic because they were and there was a higher calling for that. And so yeah, I don't know if this was a mistake or not. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Theanu Kakadulu. Kakalidu, I beg your pardon with the pronunciation there. Thank you very much. Postdoctoral research fellow with uh, ESRI. The idea that, and we would, it's been happening, I think it's happened in Spain, 
since like forever. So if you lose your job, if you're unfortunate enough to lose your job, that your initial dole, and look, I'm just using the word dole because it's easy. The initial dole you get is a percentage of what you used to earn, capped at a certain amount. And then over a period of time, it works its way down until you're on the, the flat rate. And that's what gets you back then into the workforce. How would we feel about that one? There is a new consultation process has begun on the issue of parental alienation. The Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, said recently that it is increasingly cited in the Irish courts, but there's no actual definition of what it is. And I guess when you have no definition, you need to go and find one and write one down. Karen Tobin is a divorce and family lawyer at uh, CKT. Good morning, Karen. What is parental alienation as you understand it as a solicitor? Well, to put it really simply, it is where one parent turns against another parent. It's a process of, you know, psychological manipulation, but to such an extent that that child no longer wishes to have a relationship with the other parent. But it shouldn't be confused with where a child chooses not to have a relationship with the parent as a result of neglect or abuse. It shouldn't be confused with that. Yeah, and that is a bit confusing, isn't it? Because it comes up and you don't know whether is this is this created by a situation or is this the child? Like, is the legal system more willing now to accept than before that alienation is going on? Well, they do accept it as an issue. But, I mean, they need guidelines. It needs a definition. They need to know what they are to do when it comes before the court how they're to deal with it yeah. and I suppose that opens up a whole load of other issues because as in terms of resources obviously intervention is required who funds that intervention um, I mean early intervention is key to you know, to addressing the issue of parental alienation in order for a child's relationship to redevelop with that parent who has become alienated mm, yeah a term like parental alienation uh, for for a lawyer to do their job in the court, you need to have a list of what it is and what it isn't, and legislation to go on. And uh, let's see, can, can you hear me there? So, Karen, that's what I was kind of making. At the, and at the moment, you don't you don't have that. So, what would you be hoping would change in a consultation? Well, they want people who have had real life experiences of alienation and if there's been intervention, they want them to contribute and they're the people who have the real experience of it and how it has affected their relationship with their child and how it has affected them. So, you know, they want them to contribute and that's very important. They're, they are key to this consultation paper. Mm-hmm. And and how can they do that? How can they take part? <laughs> well, they can email uh, the parent parental alienation at justice.ie and the deadline for submissions is on before the 24th of June. What kind of information will be will be wanted from them? Obviously people are very mindful of their privacy and stuff. What kind of what how would how do they engage? They, they, they will email and give their own experiences but they can't if it if there's a court process they must be very careful that they don't identify parties because the courts are covered by, family law cases are covered by the in-camera rule. So they must be very clear that they they can't breach the in-camera rule. They must be selective in what information they give. Um, But they want their own experiences without identifying parties or out identifying children. I mean, parental alienation is an emotional abuse issue for children and it'll have to be taken seriously like other abuse 
cases yeah. are in terms of neglect um, or physical abuse. Yeah. It, it is it's a significant emotional abuse issue for our children. Sure, sure. And one would hope that, you know, following consultation, something might change. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. But, but the hope is there because the profession needs something to go on, I think is what you're saying to me, to take this into the courts properly. They do, they do. And I mean, the Justice Minister wants to hear from people's real life experiences that, you know, and I, I think there is, there's there's definitely a crusade to, to become create an awareness of this and how the courts are going to deal with this issue going forward. It it is a very serious issue, but it is not to be confused with other issues, as Mm. I've said at the start of this interview. Indeed. Just give me that email address again, one more time. It's parentalalienation at justice.ie. All right, Karen, thank you. Parentalalienation at justice.ie. That consultation runs until the 24th June. You go in there and you give your own experience and there you're feeding into a consultation process as to how we go and deal with this issue going forward. Thank you, Karen. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 Text or WhatsApp 083-396-96-96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Yeah, if you want to go to see Elton John at Paddy Cueve for his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour, Friday, July 1st at Parky Cueve. A pair of tickets every day this week for the gig. Tickets available at ticketmaster.ie, but you can win them here for free. One pair of tickets per day all this week. And on Friday, we'll take one of our daily winners and upgrade them uh, to a pre-concert meal for two at Sober Lane, Cork's lively gastro pub in the heart of the city. It's get the title of the song right uh, to go to win. It's text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Today, I want you to tell me, is the song called Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or Goodbye Purple Brick Road? Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or Goodbye Purple Brick Road. Text the answer in your name 0833 96 96 96 Now we were talking about the price of petrol and I was talking to, and diesel, talking to Kevin McPartland from the the traders group, the, the petrol retailers group of, uh, at uh, the Fuels for Ireland group, he's their CEO and he was saying to me, look we're not making money here, we're not making big money here, our margins are actually gone down, we reckon of research that you can pick up retail research reckon that most places are making about 9 cent per litre probably less actually less than 9 cent per litre on your petrol or diesel and all the problem lies with the government and tax and the amount of money that they take. Tony was listening and has sent us a voice note on WhatsApp We're at the stage now with this with the price of fuel, the way it's going up and up and up and up and up, we're we're almost at the stage where people aren't going to be able to afford to go to work because what it's costing to get to work is not being balanced out with what we're earning. At over two euros a liter, a journey that we'd say a person that would normally burn a tenner's worth of diesel every day for five days was fifty quid. That's now heading for eighty quid a week. So that's another thirty euros out of everybody's wages that they should be using on bills or food or, you know, putting it away for college or whatever the case may be. That's now gone. And it's 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 genuinely coming very close to 
people just parking up their cars and not going to work because they will not be able to afford that. And while I agree to a certain extent with what that gentleman was saying to you there about the prices and garages and all the rest of it, they're not doing it for nothing, right? Uh, there's no way that they're still making the same profit margin that they were a month ago. They have to be, their profit has to go up with the fuel. It might be all that much, it might only be a, a, a cent or two a litre, but it, it, there's no way that they're losing money on what they're doing. The only people that are really making money on all this is the government. And the only way to teach the government to listen is for everybody to park their cars for one day, just for one day. Because the, the, the revenue that they won't get if everybody just stays at home for one day will cost them more than what they're making. If that's done, if, if people keep doing things like that. That's Tony's idea. That we all just literally down car keys for a day and leave the car sitting in the drive and presumably don't go to work or get a bus to work if we can get a bus. What would you think about that? Would that, do you think, make a difference? If for, if for one day we all decided we're not driving today and we're not buying petrol today. It's an idea. Like your thoughts at 0818 96 96 96, or you can do what Tony did. Pop me a voice message, 083 396 96 96. Bunch of stuff on the welfare payment linked to wages. I'll get to that, but I want to go to Irish Business Against Litter and speak with uh, Connor Horgan. Connor, good morning to you. Cork, Cork, we've not done well. We've not done well this time out again. No, it's definitely a disappointment, PJ. I mean, if we look to the bottom of our chart and to the littered category, we see Cork Northside, Cork City Centre and Mahan all lined up together. Um, uh, Better news for uh, Middleton, which saw a return to our programme this year and is clean to European norms. What does that mean, by the way? Um, well, it, in, I suppose in layman's terms, you're 80% clean. So if you were to take 10 sites in a town, eight of them are clean or virtually free of litter. That would be t- t- typically what we define cleanliness as. But, um, you know, across the country, we saw good improvement um, in both towns and in cities. But unfortunately, in the case of Cork, that wasn't so much the case. Cork Northside did improve, um, but not enough to get it out of the littered category. Um it has a lot, moderate, lot of moderately littered sites, not so much bad sites. And again, with just a little bit more attention, a lot of these sites could become clean. So I think there's, there, there's, there's hope there for Cork Northside. I walked through town this morning, came in on the bus and walked up through the city centre, up through Patrick Street and Oliver Bunker Street and Winthrop Street this morning. And what I noticed was, first of all, the council workers were out doing that back-breaking work that they do in the early morning, making sure the streets are ready for us all. Mm. But I thought, and I knew you were going to be talking to me and I'd heard the headlines. It's it's, it, it could be an awful lot better, but it could be an awful lot worse as well. Yeah, and you no, know, I think you're right, PJ. And what we're saying this week is that, or, or today, is that we've seen a big fall in heavily littered sites in our cities, dumping areas, areas of persistent litter that don't happen overnight. Now, we've seen cleanups in Dublin and of Limerick in this regard. Cork City hasn't done well, but it doesn't have many of those sites. Cork City's problem is that it doesn't have enough clean sites. Lots of the sites are moderately littered. Only 20% of them are deemed clean. So it's actually not far off the cleanliness. 
Mm. And it's it's not, you know, it's not litter at a level that might have you disgusted. It's just not clean. And, you know, remember Cork City was clean for, I think, six years in a row until until the COVID era. So uh, maybe it'll just take another year for Cork mm. to come good. But it's not far off coming. And, and do you take account, Connor, of... And I'm, Obviously, the average thing like cigarette packets, coffee cups. Coffee cups are a huge problem. I'll come to that in a second. Yeah. But grounding stuff, stuff that's like wedged into the cracks in the pavement that really need to be power hosed. Do, do you take that stuff into account? Y- yes, I mean, we would. Um, and, you know, to some extent, I mean, definitely chewing gum, for example, can need power housing, hosing. And we do take note of that. It's not as conspicuous a litter as other forms. So, like you mentioned, coffee cups. That's a very obvious form of litter and a more a bigger blight on the horizon than uh, than chewing gum. But you know, our examiners for the last twenty years they do, you know, they they know their stuff and they do take account of all forms of litter. Yeah, we're not like it's a top forty that you do, and mm. the next stage above above where we are is monetary littered and then clean to European norms. So if I was to ask you. Take the city centre, for example. How mm. far are we from jumping our way into, say, the top 25 clean to European norms? How much work is there to do, Connor? Well, just looking at the data, it is disappointing that only five of the 25 areas are clean. Even though they're not very dirty, there is a little bit of a gap there. Cork was not like that five years ago. Mm. It would have had more than half the areas clean. In fact, much more than half them clean. So um, it's a different task for, for Cork Council than it is for Manny, where we're saying, just clean up the really bad areas and you'll go up the list. Mm. Cork needs something a bit more concerted, uh, probably where shopkeepers and citizens play their part, because you know, if a street is moderately littered, it's going to be difficult for the local authority to bring it up to that next, next mm. level of cleanliness. It's going to depend on people's civic pride and that. So I think it's it's a job for everyone in Cork to uh, just improve their own part of the city. Mm. If people looked at it at a very local level, we'd see that improvement quite quickly. How much personal responsibility is required here, Connor? Because we're, and we're at the time now, time of year where, and you, I've no doubt you know how much street pedestrianisation we've had, how much street dining and street drinking there is now and it's all, it looks fabulous, it's lovely and European and all that but it brings with it the risk of litter. How important is personal responsibility? People taking their stuff home and dumping it in their own bin. Oh, I think it's a very good point you make, PJ. As we move towards more pedestrianisation it puts greater responsibility on people who are enjoying those areas to do so in, in, a, in a matter that's environmentally sustainable. And that does mean having your backpack where you're maybe using a reusable cup for your coffee. It means putting your litter in your backpack. Because where people gather in numbers in a city environment, a local authority can't, with the best will in the world, keep that area clean if people are negligent with what they do with their goods. Now, something else that we did have in Cork City, and we noticed it during the first year of the pandemic, was a chronic shortage of bins. Um, do you think, does your survey count the number of council bins, the provision of, of bins? Because if you have a bin, people are more likely to put their stuff into a bin. Well, you can say, I mean, that's a problem across the board. And I've been speaking about that already this morning, PJ. Every area, every town, every city thinks they should get more bins. Local authorities don't like bins because people use them for uh, their own domestic waste. 
Um, I think there's a balance there. But either way, for me, an absence of bins is never an excuse to drop something on the ground. You know, you can put it in your pocket or in your bag. You're never at such a loss that uh, you know you, you have to throw something on the ground. So I think it's uh, it is something for the local authority to get right and to manage the bins properly and maybe empty them more regularly. Um, I won't let them off the hook on it, mm. but um, it doesn't explain litter per se. Mm. You're, you're very big on the personal responsibility type of thing. Are we dirty people in Cork, in, in, in Cork Connor? No. Um, we weren't saying that five years ago, PJ, when we had, a, as I say, a, a five-year run of being clean and we're among the cleanest cities um, in, the, in the country. I think COVID has upset things a bit. Um, and we need to get back to normality. And I think we will. The signs of it this time around, Cork has lagged behind a bit. But I expect in the next couple of years, our cities will clean up mm. to the point where you will not describe them as dirty. When is the next survey? Uh, we'll have a survey um, in the second half of the year with results uh, in January. All right. We look forward to that. Connor, thank you very much. Connor Horgan from Irish Business Against Litter. It does a top 40 table. And top of the list, number one, the cleanest place, they say, is Nace, then Letterkenny, Cavan, if you want to be glad to hear, Athlone, Longford, Maynooth, Wicklow, Kilkenny, Ennis and Monaghan would be the top ten. Middleton is 13th. It says it's cleaner than European norms. But then we languish down the end. A place called Ballyban in Galway is bottom of the table, then Drogheda, then Dublin North Inner City, and then Cork City, Mahan. Cork City Centre and Cork Northside, all deemed as littered. But it's the same thing. Connor's saying the same thing as we've been saying here for a long, long time. Yes, more bins help. Absolutely more bins help. And I think there are probably more bins now than there used to be. But take your stuff home. What's the problem? Take it home and put it into your own bin. Your coffee cup, your sandwich wrapper, your sweet packet, your crisp packet. Stick it in the pocket, bring it home, and don't put it home. If everybody did that, it would probably help an awful lot. 0818 96 96 96. PJ, why don't Cork City Council employ more people to clean our city? Why should they ask volunteers to do the job? Asks the Baldy Barber. And as I said, Baldy, Mick, the, 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 the lads were out this morning, the council lads in the yellow jackets were out this morning early and doing, it's a horrible job, I'd hate to have to do it, doing that job every morning that makes the place presentable. Yes, we could probably do it twice as many of them, but if we all took our own junk home, then maybe we'd do better overall. Tim says, isn't it ironic, at a time when councils are reducing the number of litter bins, they did increase them, didn't they? And business outlets are increasing takeaway coffee sales, the Joe Public gets blamed for the subsequent litter. Eyeball had a purpose when set up originally to keep a watching brief over industrial estates and adjoining areas. Now it's another stick for public service pen pushers to beat Joe Public. Time was before business peddled rubbish wrapping and containers that such litter didn't exist. Yeah. If look, I'm, I, I don't have a whole pile of sympathy for Joe Public if you get a coffee cup or a packet of crisps or a sandwich wrapper and you don't have a pocket in your jeans or your jacket to take it home or a side pocket on your backpack to take it home. I don't have a whole pile of sympathy there. If collection of private litter were public and not privatised, people would not take advantage of bins in the street. There should be more bins in the streets. 
I want to be able to dispose of my litter when I'm out, uh, not have to bring it home in my bag. You can end up staining your pocket. Well, there is that too, Maria. There is that, to be fair. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Quartz 96FM. Yeah, just on Tony's idea, which he sent us on a voice note, that everyone just parks up their car for a day and refuses to drive or refuses to buy petrol and see how the government like that one up them, as they say. Whether it would work or not, that's anybody's guess. But that was Tony's idea. PJ, Sean says, <clears throat> it would take more than a day to get the government to listen. Park up for a week. I know people can't really afford to do that either. So the government know we're up against a brick wall when it comes to needing to travel and needing fuel. They're taking advantage of their own people and they're sticking me to my stomach. I just feel like packing the family up and heading abroad. And I'm not the only one thinking that way. Apologies, I'm at work, so I can't come on the show. Thank you for that, Sean. Paul says, PJ, people are giving out about how they're going to get to work. Us taxi drivers haven't had a price increase since 2017, when fuel was 120 a litre. Everything is going up, yet our fares are not. So if fuel goes up again, what will we do? That's from Paul. Uh, just getting back to benefits, uh, we were talking earlier on about the idea that your benefits, if you should lose your job, be unfortunate enough to lose your job, that your benefits would reflect what you used to earn before you lost your job. And we are outliers in Ireland in that we have this fixed rate that everyone goes on from, from day one. We were chatting about that. Uh, it's a brilliant conversation, PJ. Many of the benefits and conditions around them in Ireland, I feel it's quite unfair. For example... I pay nearly 3000 a month in tax. I have to pay for all my medical and so on, like most people. With parents' leave or anything like that, I just get €250 Euro a week. With all the bills, I can't even take any of this leave. And I'd be taxed on the 250 So it means if I take four weeks' parental leave, I'd get about €1,000, but I paid three times that in tax. People live within their means so with my own bills and so on, I just can't take time off to be with my children. Like a lot of people, I work 7 a.m. to 5 to 7 p.m., five days a week, going to travel, etc. The benefits need to match what we pay the government. Thanks for that. And with regard to <clears throat> the, the idea that your benefits would reflect on what you used to earn, there should be an incentive to go back to work, because why would you go to work if you're getting more on the dole? Yeah, there was another comment there. Yes, Sheila says, uh, the man that was on there saying we should all basically strike for a day, well, that's not very practical for self-employed people because they're tied into all sorts of commitments and they get penalised. I would urge, though, that everyone takes part in the cost of living protest. And there's an opportunity. The press conference is on as we speak uh, downtown. Uh, there's a cost of living protest being organised for Saturday, uh, the 18th June, starting down by Brown Thomas at 2 o'clock. And there's a press conference taking place down there this morning. And one of the people attending is Valerie Conlon, formerly of Debenhams. Valerie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. This movement is growing and this protest on Saturday looks like it'll be fairly big. 
And it has to be like, it's great for people to be giving out about the price of living, the costs going up and whatever. But unless people make a stand for it, it's no good sitting down in your armchair giving out about it. You actually have to make a stand. And that's what Saturday is all about. What kind of things do you, the other organisers down there are, Don O'Leary was at the press conference, I believe, and Katrina Toomey and Mick Barry, TD and and others. What kind of ideas are coming up at the press conference? Well, they're going to be talking, obviously, about inflation. It, that fact that it's a 38-year 30, high at the moment. Electricity has gone up 41%. Gas has gone up uh, 61%. And that's just at the beginning of it. We're not even talking about the poor, unfortunates that have oil heating their homes at the moment. And it's going to be the elderly that are going to be suffering there simply because they won't, they're not going to pay for that. They're going to be cold in their homes for the winter. They're not going to pay that price for mm. oil. And the like, it's the workers. The workers are suffering. Workers have to work extra hours now to try and make up. We're going. We're all doing our shopping. Your own wife is probably finding the same. Going out, doing the shopping, and the amount that is going up it's every going week up. It is, is going astronomical up. at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, astronomical, you know. Yeah. Now, Pascal Donoghue, when he's asked about it, and and Michael McGrath, when he's asked about it, and the Taoiseach more or less said it a couple of weeks ago as well. There's an awful lot of this over which we have no control. Do you accept that? No, I don't. I, I absolutely don't, because at the end of the day, like you said yourself this morning, how much the oil companies are making out of the oil, how much the government is taking from that oil, that and petrol and gas. It's an absolute disgrace. And no matter how much they say they can't reduce this, of course they can, because like they, they can they they can do things at a turn of a hand. Mm. And the fact that they're re- refusing to do this now again, it's an absolute disgrace, simply because. The, the country has to keep on going. It, the economy has to keep on going. If people mm. can't spend money, the economy is going to go down. Yeah. I, I, if you just take, take, be... yeah, take, take the, petro, the petrol. Take the petrol. Yeah. Uh, the 218 that I spotted on a petrol pump this morning. One fourteen of that is total, in total. One fourteen of that yeah. is tax. Now, I'm very sure Pascal Dunahue would ask the question, well, where do we get that one fourteen from if we don't get it? And if people can't afford to put it in their cars, they're not going to get it anyway. That's true. I myself has gone down to... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A one-car family, mo- uh, family at the moment because we can't afford to own two cars. Yeah. So we now have one car. Yeah. We're not the only ones that have done that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And we're going to, you're going to see the likes like in 38, 38 years ago uh, or in the 80s when all our graduates started leaving because they, they were priced out of Ireland. They were priced out of getting mortgages, which is already showing here. If they do get their mortgage, how are they going to pay their bills? So we'll find that all our young people are going to be leaving our country again. And is that, is that what the government wants? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you'll be hoping for a big crowd Saturday. Yes, definitely. And like we have great supporters, Don O'Leary, as you said, from Cork Life, Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners, the Student Union is going to be there, the the Cork bus workers who have a two-year pay freeze, so how they're meant to be able to afford anything, God only knows, and obviously ex-devenance workers. Mm. Yeah, you're playing a very a very prominent role in, in this. Did you come up with the idea? Did I, did I hear that this came out of a conversation about the cost of shopping? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, myself, Mick Barry, Gillian uh, and Madeline, we had coffee one morning and like that, now we were giving out about it and we were saying it to him. And in fairness, as he always does, he listened to us and he rang me one day and he said, out of a conversation with you, he said, I want to do a protest. Would you be there for it? And I said, yeah, definitely. So he, he listened to us and he put the idea into a plan and now we have a protest on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's funny that you'd mentioned the coffee, the coffee and and all that. My my son has a has a Revolut card, and and when he uses it to pay for his his takeaway coffee, it comes up on my phone, and he bought himself <laughs> a coffee last week, three twenty five for a flipping coffee. Because I'm not, I'm, I, I don't, I generally don't buy coffee that way. I make my own coffee. Three twenty five from a coffee. What's the god? Like? Yeah, yeah. Do yeah, you? and they're making 200% on coffees, takeaway coffees and teas. 200%. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and bread has gone up, eggs have gone up, bread. meat has gone Butter. up. Butter. Butter is yeah. flying Everything. through the roof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Dunn's give the 10 euro voucher. I'd prefer if Dunn's kept their 10 euro voucher and brought down the cost of groceries because yeah. you're not gaining anything by it. Yeah. Yeah, and of course the, the the farmers will argue then that the the main the multiples, you know, the price might be going up, but we're not getting any more for our produce either. And probably not, and the government are probably still getting more of that than everybody else is gaining from it. And mm. um, you know, and and it's not fair on the farmers then to have to suffer from it, and to be the fact that we're giving out about the price hikes and mm. they're not getting it. Yeah. Where's the justice in that? Yeah. So so the belief of the group. Uh, not just yourselves, but everybody else involved, is that when the government tell us that so much of this is beyond their control, your answer is we don't accept that. Definitely don't accept it, because I'm sorry if any other body of people came along to them, they'd put their hands into their back pockets and they'd be handing out money hand over foot. But when it comes to the people of Ireland and trying to make a living and trying to survive and trying to get mortgages and trying to pay rent, they certainly don't do anything about that. All right. 
Leave it there. Good to speak with you again, Valerie Conland, formerly of Debenhams and now a member of the group behind the protest on Saturday, the cost of living protest, Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock, starting outside Brown Thomas. Um, life Centre, down from the Life Centre, Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners, the ex debenhams workers and many others. It'd be interesting to see how many people turn up. Uh, and I hope it would be a big crowd. But they don't accept that idea. They don't accept this constant mantra from the government. I was listening to another another minister at the weekend trying to give this. Well, we've given a whole lot. We've given a whole pile. And we'll give more. But we can't afford to give it all kind of thing. Um, and look, economically, the government have to balance the books. And economically, the government have to act responsibly and look after the state's money and the taxpayers' money responsibly. But on the other hand, people can't afford to, to eat and they can't afford to clothe their children. God almighty, I, I'm only thankful, only thankful that uh, the worst month of the year for, I can remember it for years, the worst month of the year, the most expensive month of the year in our house used to be August, mid to late August with the cost of going back to school. I, I can't imagine... What people must be thinking about the cost of going back to school in August at this point. 0818-969696. Uh, Mick says, what we need is a sovereign government. We have our own oil and gas and refineries and agriculture. We should be a bit like Kuwait, where petrol is 24 cent a litre. As it is, we're nearing a car lockdown. Well, the one problem of Kuwait and 24 cent a litre, Mick, is it's coming from up the road. That's the one problem. But I get your point. I do get your point. 0818 96 96 96. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. C6 Steve returns to Cork for the first time in a decade with a show at Cypress Avenue on July 19th. Tickets are now on sale from the Old Oak and at cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. In September, Irish National Opera and Landmark Productions return to Cork with The First Child, a piece written by Donica Denicky and Enda Walsh and featuring operatic sensations Neve O'Sullivan and Sarah Shine. It runs at the Opera House with more information available from their website. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any gigs by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Cork's 96FM. A voice note in from Councillor Mick Nugent on the subject of litter. Well, I acknowledge there will be some improvements in Cork's north side. I still have the view it's unfair to include the whole of the north side in Cork as an area to be rated up against areas like tourist towns like Clarny and Clannacilty and, and others. I'd also would put it to eyeball what do they actually do to assist local communities and local authorities in tackling litter in the area rather than just highlighting an issue which does have some negativity um, for local areas. Um, and also, there's, I suppose, the council and local authorities will have to come in as well in terms of what they can do to approve, uh, I suppose, personnel on the ground in terms of tackling litter in different areas. Areas where communities do their best at times, but need extra supports to tackling litter in communities. Mick, thanks. If you have a contribution to the show on anything at all, 
even something we're not talking about you think we should uh, 083 396 96 96 pop it into a WhatsApp voice note for us Betty says have the bins made in such a way that bigger rubbish won't fit in and that birds can't pull stuff out yeah that's a point that's a point I, I, if, I, if, I, if you think I'm wrong here then come and tell me but I'm, I'm just very big on, on the whole personal responsibility of taking your stuff home. I, I learned it as a small boy. I was always taught if I was eating a packet of crisps inside in town, wandering along, fold up the packet of crisps, stick it in the back pocket of my jeans, and we'll dump it at home. It's something I learned. I, I put sweet papers. My wife would always give it out to me. If I'm eating sweets, I'll stick the wrappers in my pocket. And then I won't take them out and take them out in the washing machine. But you know yourself... Is there a personal responsibility? Do we really need to look at ourselves and say, you know, do I, that sandwich wrapper, that box, but just take it home, put it in my own bin? Do we need to look at that? Oh, yes, yeah, something else that's come up, and I'm delighted this has come up because I was, I was looking for an opportunity to mention it myself. Um, these flipping scooters, lads. I was in my normal parking space. I, I parked when I can get a parking space on Patrick's Hill here in the morning and I'm just getting my little car out then about maybe quarter to ten to one in the afternoon and there was one day about a week and a half ago that I looked to my left and I looked to my right and I looked behind me and because traffic in Patrick's Hill only goes one way I said right you're clear reverse out slowly you know yourself, keep an eye on the mirrors as you're coming out, everything. I was all very fine until your man comes around the corner by the Priory Coffee there, up, which you can't do, up Patrick's Hill on his scooter. Flying up on his scooter. That was one incident. Another incident is when I drive in in the morning, the number of these scooters going against the flow of traffic is just crackers at this stage. We've got this call. There's been talk about the danger of electric scooters. Boy, did I find out how dangerous they are. I was coming off the bus on a one-way. Ah, yeah, you see? I was coming off the bus on a one-way street. And I looked to my right, and there's a scooter coming down the wrong way and knocked me to the ground. I was lucky. I just put my hands out as a reflex action. And that probably saved me from worse injuries. But it was all scraped, and I had to go to hospital to get checked out. Did, did, did someone write down somewhere that these flipping scooters are, are not meant to follow the rules of the road. Because I've seen more than one. In fact, I see more than one a day going the wrong way down a one-way street. Do you know? That, that's, that caller is absolutely right. And the fellow who was coming up against me at Priory, I, I opened the window of the car and I said, this is a one-way street. And all I got was a shrug. Literally all I got was a shrug. 0818 96 96 96. One of the big things we did the last uh, couple of summers when we had no music and no gigs and no performances was we put up a thing called the Back Garden Festival in association with our friends at Harvey Norman. And it's back this year. We've brought it back by popular demand. Cork's 96 FM's Back Garden Festival now streaming exclusively online with all the festival headliners from across the summer. Brought to you by Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. It's there now. Listen on the app. 
Listen on the app or go to 96fm.ie. Have you ever tried to bring a banana skin home in your pocket? No? Well, there you go. I, I, I take that point. I do take that point. Mag says, in fairness to the city council, I often drop himself to work first thing in the morning and you see them out making the place spick and span before most of us are even up. It's the disgusting crowd who just discard rubbish wherever they like. They're the problem. More litter wardens handing out a few hefty fines and they wouldn't be long changing their habits. Yep, they're the hardest working people, Mags, and I see them this morning again as I'm wandering in off the bus. You know, they're the hardest working guys and they've got the, a rotten job cleaning up junk every morning to make the place spick and span. And more of them would be great if there was more of them out there. 0818 96 96 96. There's a meeting taking place at the Clayton on Laps Quay on June 14th, which is tomorrow evening between 7 and half eight. It's free of charge and it is for parents who need information and support for a child with ADHD. Martin Finn is the Cork Service Development Manager for ADHD Ireland. Morning Martin, this is something we didn't really know about or talk much about even 10 years ago, but now we know it's very real and affects maybe 5% of children. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Very real problem. Yes, we're trying to spread the word that it it um, it is a real thing. It does it does um, it does affect a lot of children. In fact, five percent of children have ADHD, um, and f- roughly five percent of adults as well. Not as much as the children, but um, if you take the Cork population, five hundred and fifty thousand people in Cork, that means the number of people with ADHD is twenty eight thousand. So that's 21,000 adults and 7,000 children. Mm. How does it affect a person? So um, typically it's uh, inability to organise, focus, stay on tasks. Um, It's characterised by an impaired executive function, which means if you've got five things in your head that you need to do, if you have ADHD, you find it very hard to know which one is most important. Um, so it can hurt relationships, it can hurt your schooling, your work um, production, any number of things. Like daily life is, when it starts to intrude on daily life, mm. um, you, you, know, you, you know you may have ADHD. Is it an analogy, bear with me for a minute, so we all have these days, Martin, where work and life and family is all a bit crazy. And you has the yeah. saying is, I have 101 things to do and I don't know where to start. And that can be stressful for a few hours. If you have ADHD, is that how you live? Yeah, it, it is like that constant feeling of overwhelm, you know, it, it, because ADHD people have the same number of things to deal with <clears throat> as, as I suppose the neurotypical people. Um, and um, basically people without ADHD can handle that stuff a lot better um but adhd people <clears throat> for instance like find it very hard to finish a task mm. find it very hard to um just do simple things like get out to work in the morning know what order to do things in there's also a thing called time blindness adhd people find it very hard to know how long a thing will take right. um you know they might think it's going to take a half hour it might take three hours, you know. Um, so I suppose it's complex as well because today's world is is very fast moving. We've got social media to deal with. Everything is more 
involved and complex than than things were like 20, 30 years ago. So mm. um, I know what you mean by saying, don't we all have these things, don't we all? I was just making the analogy, Martin. I didn't wish to be dismissive of anything. It's just, you know, this kind of, uh, this crazy, uh, what the hell, where the hell do I start? And uh, that's the way someone with ADHD lives. That's That's awful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, th- that's it. Yeah, it, it is. It is for someone with ADHD. It can be a constant struggle. Um, just daily tasks, uh, work, school, mm-hmm. all these things are much harder if you have an impaired executive function, function and mm-hmm. you can't focus on the things you need to focus on. And and if you have it, and if you're diagnosed with it, like, can it be managed? Yeah, by all means. I mean, there's this is our mission as ADHD Ireland and um, there's a new Cork branch. I'm the service development manager for, for Cork. Um, and um, absolutely, we're trying to get the word out there that yes, it can be managed. Um, there's a whole lot of things you can do. There's tools, strategies, um, cognitive behavior therapy, talk therapy, medication is one of the things as well. Medication is is a big part of it, but medication isn't right for everybody either. Mm. So, um, I mean, the key thing is to get diagnosed and to, um, you know, just go to your GP, uh, tell tell him or her what's up. And, you know, uh, generally speaking, they will, if they think you have it, they will refer you to somebody who can check. Um, so, yeah, just to, just to follow the path and to see, um, see if you have it. And then, and then, then you can start to get the help you need. Yeah. So the meeting tomorrow, tell me about it. It's, it's, you need tickets, but they're free. Yeah, you just, uh, you can go on to ADHDireland.ie and you can go to the events page and uh, Eventbrite is, the, is the, um, the site that you'll be brought to. And basically you just get your free ticket, book in and you can go along and it's for parents of children who have ADHD or for parents who think their children may have ADHD uh, and yeah it's just a, it's it's a night where we're going to be talking about tools and strategies um how to get diagnosed um any questions anybody has there's going to be a section for for questions Okay. And, you know, the reassurance, I think, comes, look, with proper diagnosis and proper support in childhood or indeed, I suppose, adulthood, this is something you can manage. This is something you can learn to to live with and learn to understand. And you know the way, Martin, in in a workplace, if one became available or one became aware, rather, that you have a colleague with ADHD, it's useful for the rest of us to know that because don't overload poor Tom today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I mean, thankfully, no, there's a lot of accommodation accommodations these days that an employer can put in place for um, somebody with ADHD or anybody who's, you know, neurodiverse, I suppose. Um, And it's part of the Equality Act, really. Um, Basically, employers can tell their staff that, look, this is going on with, as you say, Tom, let's say, you know, he finds it hard to concentrate with a lot of noise. He um, works better alone and he needs to, you know, work alone for a certain period of time. You know, there's all sorts of things you can put in place to help the employee to do their work better. Um, they might, you know, part of having ADHD is hyper-focused. They may be able to 
completely zone in on something and work amazingly well for a few hours mm. um, if they're interested in that thing and if they're very good at that thing. Mm. Um, and that might be their talent. And so if they're constantly distracted by music, by other people talking to them, this kind of thing, then it, it, it um, they can get overwhelmed in that situation. I see. I see. It's an it's an awareness of this very real thing that exists these days. I suppose it's important we should all have it. That meeting tomorrow night. Thank you, Martin. Martin Finn, Cork Service Development Manager with ADHD Ireland. Eventbrite is where you'll get uh, the tickets. ADHDIreland.ie. Uh, go to that website and follow the link, and you'll be able to get the tickets are free. Uh, the event is tomorrow night at the Clayton on Laps Key. 0818 96 96 96. You're spot on, PJ. Would the same people leave rubbish in their gardens or their cars? I think not. It's pure lack of respect and pure lack of civic pride. PJ, you're asking if you're right to say people should take their litter home. They're big shopping centres, very focused on making money in this city, and they have loads of bins after every few shops. And they check to see if they should be emptied every half hour. Do you think they're doing that for fun? People should boycott the city centre until they show us the respect as consumers that we deserve. Instead of carrying around skins from fruit, leaking coffee cups, cans with a few soaps left in them, spilling it everywhere. Are you well? I'm originally from Mayfield. Even the shopping centre there has lots of bins outside, and that's now a wealthy area. But some of the top shops in Cork could struggle to find a bin nearby yeah provide more bins and people will use them that's true that is true provide more bins and people will use them but if there isn't a bin there that's hardly an excuse to chuck your coffee cup down the alley is it 0818 96 96 96 Now, when they break it down to mobile phone use, you could spend up to eight years of your life looking at your mobile okay, phone. Okay, that's the sad bit, you yeah. see. Eight years. I would love to do a digital detox where I get rid of my mobile phone. I know friends of mine have gone back to old Nokia's, just text and calls, that's it. I like that. It's like that until you're sitting on the toilet and you're kind of going, I'd love to watch Ozark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Tickets every day this week for you to win Elton John. Uh, coming to Parky Creeve Friday, July 1st for his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. It's his farewell tour. Mary Jane says she was also at the last tour, but that's okay, last farewell tour. <laughs> Listen, this is Elton, and he's a legend, and he can do as many farewell tours as he wants, as far as I'm concerned. Tickets available at ticketmaster.ie. pair of tickets on the show every day this week. Uh, and one winner on Friday, then, of the daily tickets... We'll send you off to Sober Lane for a pre-concert meal for two. That's Cork's lively gastro pub at the heart of the city. And every day asking you to complete the name 
Give me the right name of an Elton John song. So today it's, is it Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or Goodbye Purple Brick Road? Which is it? Now, if you don't know the name or the, the answer to that, what would you be even doing as Nelson John Geek? But Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or Goodbye Purple Brick Road? The answer and your name, please. 083 396 96 96. There's a bunch of stuff still coming in on litter and on e-scooters. Uh, but Kate was on... and they add there about holidays and holiday envy and I'm on the countdown now I'm going on holidays myself four weeks Saturday and I absolutely cannot wait it's getting into that kind of an itchy feet thing now and one thing we did a couple of weeks ago was check all of our passports and thankfully all is good with our passports um, for plenty of time to come but Kate says a relation of mine was in the passport office Friday the scenes were unbelievable people were crying at the counter. One person was in danger of having to cancel a holiday. Another couldn't get a passport for a child even though they applied months ago and they're due to go on holidays in the next few days. It's just crazy and it seems to be getting worse. Did I read it in one of the newspapers at the weekend or did I hear it on the radio? Where did I hear it? A lot of the people who are working now in contact tracing are being moved into trying to speed up the passport allocation but if you're sweating on it I I hate now, I'd really hate to be here with my holiday booked in a month's time and having made an application for a passport in February or March and still be sweating on it I I don't know how I'd feel, I'd be like a demon, I really would I really really would 0818 96 96 96, I'll come back to the e-scooters one but let's talk a little bit about acne about acne it's one of the most common skin disorders in Ireland and they reckon that 80% of Irish people would have had to deal with acne at some level during their lives at some stage in their lives I remember having it into my I think I probably had it into my early 20s and I tried everything We, my, my poor mother at one point even brought me to brought home some kind of folk medicine and it was like rubbing it was like rubbing Fritex on your skin and, and oh it was awful but eventually my acne passed and, and I was glad to get rid of it but there are many ways that you can either deal with it or can you even prevent it Ivana Breen, a skin expert joins me Ivana, good morning Good morning, thank you for having me. I do remember it from my student days. I remember having a particularly bad outburst of acne during my college exams. And it was awful. And thankfully I it got rid of it. It can really be. It was horrible. Yeah, it's yeah. horrible. But yeah. 80% of us will have it at some stage. It's a high number, isn't it? Um, and it's true. At some now that you know, eighty percent has some form of acne, be it um, a mild form or a more severe form. So not all of us suffer long term with it. But at some point in our lives, eighty percent of people in Ireland will actually have to experience uh, what goes on with acne. Yeah. What's the cause of it? So there's no specific cause, but it's an inflammatory skin condition that where the pores get congested, 
bacteria comes along and loves to feed on that congestion and it it thrives on the thicker oil that that can be produced when you have an oilier skin type and that causes inflammation and hey presto you've got a spot so um there's not there's no known cause but it is something that um, people would genetically inherit a skin type that would be more predisposed to getting acne. So an oilier skin type will, obviously a thicker skin type uh, will be more prone to getting breakouts. Mm. But that's not to say that, um, you know, you could have parents who never had acne and all of a sudden you mm. could be getting uh, breakouts and that can be down to hormones, it can be down to stress, it can be down to so many different things. Now, there's 101 things out there to try to treat it, but can you actually prevent it or minimise it? If we can definitely minimise it, if we could prevent it, if there was a pill that we could take to get rid of it, it would be out there and it would be done. And in fact, there is a pill like that, you know, you can, when it gets bad, you can go to your GP and go on a course of antibiotics. Some people, for for some ladies, you can go on the pill and that can help to Mm. rectify the situation for a period of time. And then for the more severe cases, um, there is a medication called Roaccutane that can have um, fantastic success rates. But it's a quite a severe drug. I did end up myself actually in my early twenties on a on a tetracycline or a tetracycline or whatever they called it for yeah, for twelve months yeah. for twelve months to get rid of it because it was really bad at one point and it's that's common enough, is it? That is common, um, and not everybody has to go on medication for it. You know, sometimes it is a case of just doing a few simple steps to ensuring that you have the right skin care and just managing your stress levels and that can help the condition and can help um, you know we can't cure acne but we can definitely improve um, how frequently the breakouts happen so we can reduce the breakouts and we can have a good skincare routine where when you do get a breakout that it's up and down quicker and that it's not leaving scarring. And that's the important thing as well for a lot of people. Yes, the scarring, thankfully I managed to escape that, but I know some people who who don't. Is it it something that is exclusively, Ivana, in our younger years? Or or do many people suffer it into, say, their 30s, their 40s? It's definitely not exclusively in the younger years. I mean... Acne presents itself in the early teens due to hormonal changes, and that makes it a commonplace to associate the condition with adolescence. But um, definitely into your 20s, 30s, 40s. I even see people in their 60s coming into me and saying they can't believe that they're still getting breakouts now. Um, And that can be just that can be related to, again, hormones. It can be related to stress. And it's it's not that they've had acne all through their lives and it never went away and mm. they still have it in their 60s it's just that they're 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 getting a resurgence of it yeah. at that point yeah. it, so yeah it's not just for the younger is it more common in women um because of the hormonal changes in their bodies no absolutely not it's it's common in both men and women and again men go through hormonal changes as well and uh, in in the in the same time uh, during puberty and throughout your your life, you're always going. Your hormones are always changing. Um, but yeah, no men, and it 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 affects both men and women. And is the treatment the same for men and women? 
It is, yeah. Um, men tend to have a thicker skin, and they sometimes would it would present slightly differently in men than women. You know, women would tend sometimes to get it, as you say, hormonally. That can be down around the chin and jawline area. Men, younger guys, can often get it on their chest, on their backs, yeah. particularly if they're very active if they're very sporty and mm. um, that can be a common thing that you'd see with people who are otherwise seemingly incredibly healthy yeah back knee we used to call it when, exactly. I, was, when mm. I was a lad so the treatment like you said that we we can minimize it and there, are there things we can do with with diet are there things we can do with with how we clean our skin Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things, the first things that you need to look at is your diet. And it's not so much that um, diet causes acne, but it can aggravate acne. So cutting out refined sugar is going to really help. Um, Sugar causes uh, the spikes in um, insulin levels, a hormone that's considered to have a direct effect on our oil production in the skin. And when that happens, that aggravates the oil glands. So it producing more oils that the bacteria loves to feed on. So using going for a low GI diet. So GI stands for a glycemic index Mm -hmm. and it's the number that's given to carbohydrates based on how quickly they absorb into your bloodstream. So foods with a high glycemic index will cause spikes in hormonal levels and typically foods that are high in, um, high, that have high glycemic index would be sugars and starches. So things like, um, refined sugars, you know, sweets and chocolates and, um, uh, white breads, mm. white pasta, that kind of thing. Oh, chocolate and was always a no-no. That, chocolate was always cho- a no-no. Yeah. yeah. And it's more to do with the sugar in it. I mean, chocolate in itself isn't the bad thing. It's the sugar that's in the chocolate that causes the problem. Um, so like that dark chocolate could be a good option instead of the milk chocolate if you do have a, a chocolate craving. Um, and I think it is important to not be too hard on yourselves with those these kind of things because... We all need to live our life and we all need to have our little treats now and again. But it's knowing that when you do have, when when you're consistently throughout the week being good with your diet and watching the foods that you're eating, eating whole foods, providing your body with fresh fruit and vegetables so that you're giving your um, body the nutrients that it needs to help heal and repair itself. Mm-hmm. That's when um, you're going to. It's going to be much more beneficial than if you're going to be eating McDonald's every day of the week. Reducing our intake of dairy. Yeah. So with dairy, um, studies have shown that in particular, low fat milk can aggravate acne in some people. So it's not a general sweep across the board for everyone. And the only way you'll really figure out whether you're one of those people or not is if you come off dairy for maybe two to three weeks and see if it has any impact on your skin. And if it does, then you know that that's uh, something that is going to aggravate your de- your your skin, so so stay off it, or switch to alternatives like maybe um, oat milk or soy milk right. or those. And if any, you mentioned that like for in the in the chocolate, for example, it's a reaction to the sugar. The, the sugar in milk is is lactose. So would lactose free milk help you? Um, it's. It, it, you you need to do that. That's an individual thing that you'd need to check check out yourself. I see. For some people, that would be the issue. For some, for others, it wouldn't. I see. 
I see. So try yeah. alternative. Watch your dairy yeah. intake if you if you have a problem. Um, in terms of how you wash your skin, and I remember, as I said, as a young fellow, we tried we, we tried everything. I remember there was one particular thing you bought from the chemist. It was called Biactol, and like it was like oh, washing gosh, your yeah. skin with acid. <laughs> now, now it got rid of the spots. God, the sting! Yeah. I can still remember. Oh, dreadful stuff! Absolutely dreadful stuff. It ripped your skin. So your skin has this natural lipid barrier on the surface and that's made up of oil and both good and bad bacteria and it's there to help protect your skin from breakouts and from the bad bacteria taking over Um, but it also keeps your skin hydrated and it keeps it moist and what tends to happen with people who have acne is they tend to want to clean their skin a lot because they feel like their skin is dirty And they tend that what ends up happening is they rip that lipid barrier or they're taking that lipid barrier, the protective barrier away from their skin. So over exfoliating is something that people with um, acne would often do. So I would say to keep your exfoliation to a minimum. Uh, once a week and not to use anything too harsh with your cleansers or with your um, uh, exfoliation. We have a very good um, oil-based cleanser that is suitable for people with acne as well. And it binds to the dirt and the debris and the buildup of oil from the day but it won't take away that lipid barrier and it really is very supportive of the skin. So that's a, bit, that's a really good one, the Skin Made cleanser that we sell in the clinic. You can get it online okay, that's, on that's our website the, and that's that, a fantastic one. Is that the Akina Clinic in Dublin? That's right, yeah. Okay. yeah. Ivana, listen, thank you for your time. This is Acne Awareness Month, which is why we wanted to talk about it today. Uh, Ivana Breen from the Akina clinic in Dublin. Thank you very much. You could spend a long time talking about it because it's a really bothersome, blasted thing. But I do. I remember washing with Biactol. God, it worked. It worked, but God almighty, it stung. 0818 96 96 96 on scooters. Yeah, actually, thank you, James. James has sent a picture of I think it's a, it is, it wrote stores from the 80s. Uh, look at how many bins there were when we were poor. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. On scooters, Antoinette says they're lethal. I was in town Saturday. Someone nearly knocked my daughter to the ground with one. He was more traumatised afterwards than Katie was, but it could have been seriously hurt. Carl says overall they're great, but they belong in cycle lanes, not on footpaths where they threaten the safety of pedestrians. Trouble is, our cycle lane network is so patchy and our roads so dangerous that riders opt for the footpaths to be safe from cars. And I, I, I'll go with you there, Carl. I'll give you that. But I don't ever understand how you can go down the wrong way, down a one-way street. You can just allow for that. Off the wrong way, down a one-way street, or up a one-way hill, like happened here to me on Patrick's Hill a week or two ago. Clown. Flies up one... And I back and out. Sure, he could have gone into the side of me. And who'd have been wrong? Yeah, me. Are you, you regard yourself as a Welsh lady? I have Welsh blood, yes. But are you Welsh or are you English? Or are no, you I'm Irish adopted, at this stage? So it's a little bit tricky. Yeah. Like, my birth family are Welsh and I was I was adopted in England and brought up in England. Okay. Then you were adopted again by Cork. Yeah. Yes. People from Wales are the worst lovers in the world. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, in a pole. Of I don't say that. Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. That would put you off, wouldn't it? I'm just standing here holding this big leaf. <laughs> yeah. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Talk a little bit today about the work of Rethink Ireland. And I'll talk in a minute to one of the groups that they're actually helping in no small way. And that's Link uh, here in Cork. But let's go first to <clears throat> Paulrick Vallelli, who is Senior Philanthropy and Development Manager with Rethink Ireland. Uh, Paulrick, good morning to you. PJ, great to have, great to speak to you this morning. Good speaking to you too. Now, what is Rethink Ireland and how, how are you able to help groups like Link? So Rethink Ireland, we are a venture philanthropy fund and what that means is we provide cash and uh, non-financial business support to the most innovative charities and social enterprises across the country. We're only six years old at the moment and we work across five key areas, health, education, social enterprise, um, climate and equality. And who's, and be- today's- who's, be- who's behind it? How is it funded? So- so we are. It's um, we work in partnership with government. So the government provides a match fund um, to us, but we also work with philanthropists, both families, foundations, organisations like Cork Chamber, um, but also some multinationals as well, like Google, State Street, Bank of America. Really working um, with with organisations and really seeing how we can make an impact and a difference in communities across the country. So organisations and companies and the government and other causes give you money and say, here you go, Pori, you, you distribute that among the people you help as you see fit. Yeah, well, there's a there's a process involved as well, and it's really important um, that the process is there. But today's we're we're an eighty five million fund in the last six years, um, a blend of government funding as well as in the individual philanthropy and corporate. And to that, we've invested in around three hundred thirty four not for profits across the country, and crucially impacted the lives of um, five hundred fifty thousand people across the country. Wow. That's that's something to be able to to boast about, and well done to everybody involved in that. How many? I mean, does it does rethink employ a lot of people? We do. Um, I'll give you an example. I was employee ten, um, the first employee in Cork back in twenty eighteen. We now have a team of forty. Um, our Cork office has a team of ten, and a base in Dublin and in. Um, Galway as well. So really, we've we've got the right people working with those awardees, and it's really bringing them to scale, helping them become more sustainable in the long run as well. And really, that's what we're about. Is about that's the value add that Rethink Ireland bring. It's not just about the cash; it's about the supports that we can provide, so these organisations become stronger and change and save lives in communities. Okay, let's go to uh, one of the groups benefiting. I'll come back to you, Patrick. One of the groups benefiting from. Uh, the, the work and the input of Rethink Ireland. That's Link. Uh, Laura Gannon is the Education and Training Officer. Laura, I suppose, remind us, even though we've had Link on the show before, remind us and remind listeners again what it is that you do. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, so Link are a community organisation that 
support uh, LBQ women, lesbian, bisexual, queer women. Um, we're based in Cork, but we serve at a national level. And I suppose we've been around for over 20 years now and have been providing support, health, social, general well-being, um, as well as advocacy and, um, and other supports for, for women in the community. Um, and we are uh, very uh, glad to be a, 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 an award funder of, of Rethink Ireland. Um, through, um, they've supported our WorkLink project. So how did you become involved with Rethink and how did the process work? Well, um, I suppose the the working the I suppose the seed for applying to the funding and, and developing the project um, came in a little bit before I did. So I was actually brought in to develop this project. My own background is recruitment and community development. Um, so my coordinator, Kate Moynihan, um, would have applied for the funding. And I suppose where that would have come from is, you know, we work with uh, women in the community. And, you know, what would have been noticed or recognised uh, over time is that, you know, due to things like coming out or dealing with your identity, you know, people in the community tend to have delayed milestones. So the whole function of the project is, to uh, support women in the community with their education, employment, training goals and just provide a support for them to, to, to kind of progress through their journeys there. And as well as that, we're also trying to obviously um, provide support to hard to reach services. So maybe women in migrant services, homeless services, mm. things like that. Talk to me a little bit about that. What kind of supports do people need, say, an education or professional life having come out or if they're trying to come out? Well, I mean, I, the, the spectrum is really, really broad. We work with a very, very um, diverse kind of group of women. And it can really be anything from, you know, um, I suppose, as I said, it's a very broad spectrum of women, but I could be working with someone on developing their CV, um, I suppose discussing maybe a change in career, as someone who may have missed out on the college experience uh, earlier in life who's maybe looking to return to education. My, my function is there to provide one-to-one, one-to-one support. So um, I suppose the project is really broken down into to, to three different um, areas. So there's one-to-one support. Uh, we also have a community education program called Career Shomer, which provides edu- an educational series. We have speakers on. Um, and then we also provide a community, uh, personal development program. Um, and then the third prong of the project is providing um, LGBTQI plus uh, training to employers and businesses to ensure that they are, you know, uh, creating a, an environment for mm-hmm. people, you know, for their employees that is, you know, safe and uh, inclusive and diverse. Yeah, because I, I guess we are in that changing time now, Laura, uh, where everyone is accepting or trying to be more accepting and and we fall over ourselves. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. So there's guidance needed on all sides. Sure, sure, absolutely. And as I said, you know, that's one of the, the, the areas that we're really focused on at the moment is providing that LGBTI plus training to, uh, you know, we work with everyone from multinationals to small businesses to, to government organisations around, you know, and the training really covers things like how to, you know, create an inclusive space for your LGBTI plus um, employees, uh, language, terminology, um, you know, things like that, that maybe people are really just kind of learning about or coming to terms that we're there to kind of bridge that gap really um, mm. And, and hopefully we said close that gap for people in the community. So you're a year into the project now. What kind of things have you achieved so far? Yes, um, it's, it's been a very, very quick year. Um, so as so I came in last August and the initial couple of months are really just putting some shape on the project and, and figuring out what it's going to look like. But um, it's really, really taken off. Uh, we, we've supported a huge number of women on a one-to-one basis. Um, another area I focused on, as I said, my own background is in recruitment and I would have a, a quite a strong 
network and cork of uh, people in the corporate world. So one of the things I'm really focused on when I'm doing one-to-one support is linking uh, women and with maybe women that in my own network that could support them with business plans, financial, you know, just volunteering, I suppose, an hour or two of their, their time. And it's worked really, really well. Um, but we've supported a number of women. We've, we've run two uh, eight-week community education programs, which have been really successful. And we've also run a six-week personal development program. Um, and aside from that, one of the big focuses, as I said, is uh, developing a sustainable project. We've had fantastic support from Rethink Ireland in the shape of, you know, um, we've we've had consultants working with us. We've done workshops, um, a lot of additional support that, again, for a small community organisation like ours, we don't have the resources mm. and capacity to really look at some of these things. Sometimes we're so focused on being on the ground. But um, those supports have been really, really helpful to us in developing a project that is sustainable past, you know, past the funding period. Mm. Um, but as I said, it's been really, really successful and we're really hoping now that we can kind of build year two, you know, on the strength of year one and see more women linking in and also just linking in with other community organisations to kind of, um, you know, work together and collaborate and, and generate new ideas. I know social enterprise and social innovation are really starting to to kind of take off now. Um, I know there's some amazing groups, uh, like We Make Good Ireland in Dublin, who are working with people in addiction or people with living with disabilities on making products. And um, I think that's the way things are going. So we're really kind of focusing on that as well and seeing how we can look at the social enterprise and um, and close some gaps there as well. Good luck with that over the over the uh, months to come. I'll bring you back in for a moment, Padraig, finally. This is what you do. It's not just a question of writing a cheque or transferring some funds. You also operate, uh, offer guidance uh, right through. We do, and each project who um, who we work with, um, we work with them on strategic planning, on communications and storytelling, some fundraising support, but also that impact measurement piece as well. So those projects are able to measure and map that impact so they can secure further funding and it's it's a real privilege to be involved um, with Rethink Ireland but also working with organisations like Link and really see the impact that they're making and that the focus um, not only with the beneficiaries but as an organisation that they become stronger and more resilient as we move post-COVID as well. All right. Okay. To you both. Thank you, Podrick Vanelli, Senior Philanthropy and Development Manager with Rethink Ireland and to Laura Gann from Link who is a beneficiary organisation or who are a beneficiary organisation of the work of Rethink. Thank you both. 0818 96 96 96. Let me just get 10 seconds at this point to acknowledge at the weekend and to mention the passing of a man who didn't directly work with us here in 96FM but he was a stalwart for many years of our sister station C103 and I speak of the great Sean Donlan who passed away at the weekend. He was a country and Irish presenter par excellence and almost without peer. He was wonderful and he was a lovely gentle kind, decent and funny man who was always great to be about and he had a knowledge of his music, an understanding of his craft and a skill behind the microphone that made him truly unique and Heaven FM signs another superstar with the passing of our friend and colleague uh, Sean Donlan to his partner Magella and to everybody else that knew and loved him. Uh, may he rest in peace. Can we just talk 
Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 96 On Cork's 96FM. Now one great uh, fun television show to watch is DIY SOS The Big Build Ireland it's good it's good fun it's good fun to watch and they do wonderful things and they do wonderful work um, and they've got a very special project ongoing at the moment and I want to talk to Sinead Dalton who is the location coordinator of Motive Television who are the makers of the show and it is a very special project you've got on in, in, in Mitchellstown Sinead good morning Good morning, PJ. How are you? Yeah, it's um, we're returning to Cork. We were here there about a month and a half ago, and we've decided to do a, a two-part special down in Kingston College in Mitchellstown. Um, that's coming up now in the next couple of weeks. And what is happening? So the oh, hold on, we're going to, have to start we have that. Just come back to me a second. Yeah, yeah, that line dropped out for me. Try again. What 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 is the project? Yeah, so the project is, as I said, happening in Mitchellstown, um, where we have six houses that we are going to do up over the course of nine days. So from the 5th to the 13th of July, we have that time to get six houses together and we are going to help um, relocate some Ukrainian families um, to this to these houses. Okay. Now, you need to get people on board to help with this, don't you? Yeah, now this is actually one of our biggest projects that we've ever kind of undertaken. We only do one house generally, but now we're actually taking on six. So as you can imagine, you know, the call out is for everybody of all trades. So we need landscapers, gardeners, painters, decorators. Um, there's tilers, general laborers, carpenters, stonemasons. So of any trade, if you can do it, um, you know, send us an email, head over to our Facebook page and um give us a shout and sign up. And also if there's any joinery companies or anybody with home accessories, because interior is a big thing as well. Mm. You would need to be available from the 5th to the 14th. And literally, I suppose, all hours to of the, the day 13th. and night. To the 13th. All hours of the day and night, because you guys work from first light to last light, don't you? Well, it's listen, it's whatever you can provide. It, there's, you know, there's no timing. If you can do 10 hours, brilliant. If you can only do two hours, every little helps, as they say. And that's why we're reaching out to anybody who has a little bit of spare time, has maybe a trade, or even just wants to help with, you know, catering or registration. You don't have to have a trade to jump on board. It's just anybody that wants to kind of throw their hat in the, the ring and kind of give us a hand and help us get through this project. Yes, and you're preparing six houses in Mitchellstown for Ukrainian refugees and and they'll be handing this nine days and the keys will be handed over on the 10th day and it'll be a two-part television special yeah yeah it's a special that's happening yeah for our um, third series so it's uh, it's a pretty unique and special one definitely so don't forget like you do have to register as well if you want to take part so it's diysoscork at gmail.com and there you can give your name and address and your trade or if you just want to help out mm. or there's a text line as well so it's 083 01398 Seven. Give me that again. 083 Yeah, so 083-013-9827. Okay. And it's uh, for July for to do this 
wonderful work for uh, six Ukrainian families uh, in, in Mitchellstown and be part yeah. of the television yeah. spectacular. Sinead, thank you very much. That's Sinead Dalton, Location Coordinator of Motive Television. They are looking for ground workers and carpenters and labourers and plumbers and electricians and slabbers and bricklayers and blocklayers and painters, plasterers, joiners, pavers, you name it, tilers, catering, cleaning, registration volunteers, anyone who can help with plant hire, grab hire, skips, Turf, soil, landscaping, anyone who can do catering, they need to feed a big team of people for nine days. Anyone who can help with design or interiors and exteriors, they need a kitchen supplier, joineries, fireplaces, you name it, they need it. And it's a fabulous project. And they're going to do it in July and they're going to film it and it'll be on the telly, uh, I presume, in the autumn. So if you're interested in being part of that and would like to help out, with that project, then you can get in contact with them. Um, 083 013 9827. 083 013 9827. And the uh, DIY SOS Cork at gmail.com. Thanks for that. We look forward to seeing how that works out, actually. That's kind of exciting. There's so much coming back this summer that it's just brilliant. With the Marquis back and we have Musgrave Park coming back with the gigs over there. By the way, wasn't it a fantastic achievement for the the, the Sunday as well, Rebels and their brilliant win at the um at the IMART. Brilliant. Well done to them. Uh, particularly young Tig, who who knows my my boy. Uh, well done to them. But anyway, uh, I, I digress. All the great things that are back um, including the summer show and Robert Harkin joins me he's president of the Munster Agricultural Society exciting times Robert this weekend coming is the big weekend good morning PJ yeah, fantastic we're really looking forward to it so it's a, a hive of activity out in the showgrounds this week um, and last week with, with, uh, it's declared a construction site uh, it's such a big show this year so um, we've, we've lots of things going on on the ground at the moment getting ready and uh, I suppose at the weekend, Thursday, Friday, we will have all the various people that have the entries. We've over 1,500 entries mm. uh, in all sorts of classes, uh, dropping off their items and their machinery and so on. Cattle will come in on Saturday morning and so on. Mm. So it's, it's absolutely, we're really looking forward to it. It's great to be back after a, a, a forced rest upon us, I suppose, uh, with COVID mm. and since 2019. So it, it looks fantastic. The Curraheen venue really has proven to be a great move. It's, it's so accessible. It, you know, it's a high-profile uh, venue from the motorway, but it's so accessible, so easy to get at. Uh, there's no queuing, there's no delays. We have great parking, and we have, you know, the various ways of getting there, like the 208 bus um, has extended the bus route, so you can get on the 208 anywhere in the city and be dropped to the showgrounds. Um, we have shuttle buses from Ballancolic, from the Black Ash, and uh, from the Greyhound track. So again, you, you you can come from anywhere to come to the show, mm. um, which which makes it so easy. And you don't have to be or even be connected to farming. <laughs> I suppose. We're the Munster Agricultural Society and we've been there since 1806, but our new location and, you know, shows, I suppose, have developed from, you know, not just the Cork Summer Show, but all the shows have become 
a rural and urban combination. There's so much for everybody to do. And yes, of course, we have a big agricultural element to it with, you know, cattle and sheep and mm. goats and mm. poultry. But you have so many other things. We have a huge music venue, yes. a huge music zone going on for both days, uh, you know, with fantastic bands there, including the army band, but like modern bands, something for everybody. Yeah, True Tides are there and Sharon Shannon. What a lineup, Declan Sinnott. Great you know, absolutely. Like you know, uh, two-time Polka, True Tides, as you said, Billy Bubbles. There are so many different Strictly Cash. There are so many different people on at different times of the day. You know, so you can dip in and out of it and, and watch and listen. How much are the tickets? Is it expensive? No, it's not. No, no. So it's you know, I suppose when you look, it's it's twenty euros for adults. Uh, it's fifteen for old age pensioners and children under twelve go free. And are you selling in advance or are there tickets at the gate? We have tickets at the gate. We have tickets online at uh, CorkSummershow.com. So various ways, but at the gate if you wish to. Mm. And you can pre-book your tickets if you want to do that. Yeah, some of the demos are brilliant. You have a guy who's going to be, that those beautiful horses from the Budweiser ad. You've got a guy going yes, to be shooing those. That's right. So we have, again, you know, coming back to things that you wouldn't see anywhere else, the Clydesdale horses. They're, they're hot shot, which is a master farrier skill mm. uh, that, you know, is probably you'd think is a trade that's dying out, but it's not because hot chewing is very important. Even some of the race horses still go with hot chewing. It's such a, an expertise way of fitting shoes to a horse. Yeah. And just to see that going on, you go, oh, you're going to burn them. You're not. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I've, yeah. seen it on, I've seen it on video. And, and you, the, the skill and the deft technique involved is phenomenal. I can't imagine what it's like to see it up close. See uh, it like. see it, and, and, you know, it's, you're, you're within eight feet of it. or wow. seven, when, you, when you're watching it going on, it's a huge demonstration. It goes on throughout both days. It's, it's fabulous to see it and to see the horses. And the horses stand there as cool as a breeze, putting a, a red hot shoe onto their foot. Well, it's fantastic. And the Doc, farrier is as cool as the breeze doing it as well, by the way. They're, they're, they're brilliant to watch. There's a pet, there's a dog show, there's a fun fair, there's a kid zone. You literally have everything. People would really want to take a look at the website to figure out what everything is. Yeah, we have, and we will give out leaflets on the day, you know, showing you all the different things. Like I, I, like I could whip down through them, like with the music zone, the retail zone, health and wellness. We've well talk lectures uh, every hour by well known people giving give you an outdoor. We've an outdoor food zone and we've an indoor food zone. And uh, with some craft drink zone, you know, we'll have all the various different. You know, there's so many popular gins and vodkas and, mm. and, and whiskies and so on being made now. And then, you know, we have horticulture. You have Pets Corner, which is fantastic. You'll have some rare breeds there that, you know, Rumley's Farm are very much involved. Oh, and they bring their am- animals down to us. And it's, it's, it's fantastic to get to see that. The dog show, you know, like it's for everybody. You know, it's best groomed and there's puppy dogs and small dogs and large dogs. Veteran dogs even, which is an interesting class. You know, for dogs over eight years of age, hmm. that's it. Just yeah. is an incredible combination of stuff, and we wish you well with it. We're delighted to be partnering with it uh, again this year. Cork Summer Show, uh, Robert Harkin, President of the Munster Agricultural Society. Uh, thanks for being with us, and we wish you a hugely successful summer show this coming weekend. The forecast is good. We're going to get some hot stuff on Thursday, maybe Friday. 
Not too sure where we're going over the weekend. And as soon as uh, Alan at Carla Weather figures it out, I know he'll update us. He's still saying it's too early to call what will happen at the weekend. But we've certainly got some decent warm stuff coming Wednesday, Thursday and Friday of this week. Uh, we're going to be long to whoever sent in that very long WhatsApp comment uh, with regard to ADHD. I will read that tomorrow. We'll, we'll read that out tomorrow because it's quite a long comment. I want to give it some consideration before we come back to it. But they were just grateful that we raised the topic of ADHD and wanted to go into some of the different nuances of it, which we're quite happy to do. And we'll do that tomorrow, not so much today. Now, where are we going with this? Line uh, line two, they're telling me. Uh, Pat, how are you, Pat? How are you, PJ? How are you going? Good. What's the name of the song, mate? Uh, Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, goodbye, Yellow Brick. I was saying, if, if anyone got that one wrong, they kind of you know, kind of wonder <laughs> what they're doing as Nelson John Cotter. Absolutely. Have you ever seen him before? No, I haven't. Right. Well, you know what? It'll be, this will be my fourth time. Uh, well, so I guarantee you, it's well worth it's well worth it. So you'll be off uh, as guests of ourselves in Aiken Promotions, off to see Elton John at Parky Creeve on the first of July uh, with whomever you choose to take with you, and then you're going to the draw on Friday. We might be giving you dinner at, at Sober Lane, uh, thrown in with that as our overall perfect. winner. All right, Pat, good man. Thanks for he's gone, he's gone there. So, sorry, thanks for that, Pat. Pat McCarthy from Y'all today's winner. We will do it again tomorrow and all this week. Tickets available for Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour. Parky Creeve, Friday, July the 1st. I think that's pretty much... It is. That's it. We're done. It was a bit of a... Oh, if anything in particular that you missed today, we'll have our podcast up in the afternoon and all of our podcast extras will go up in the next half hour or so. And if there's anything that you want us to talk about that we're not, could be an issue in the news, could be an issue you think should be in the news... Could be just something you say, you know what, I wonder what the opinion at 96fm.ie. Program edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we'll see you tomorrow just after nine. KCN Ross in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, when they break it down to mobile phone use, you could spend up to eight years of your life looking at your mobile okay, phone. Okay, that's the sad bit, you yeah. see. Eight years. I would love to do a digital detox where I get rid of my mobile phone. I know friends of mine have gone back to old Nokia's, just texts and calls, that's it. I like that. It's like that until you're sitting on the toilet and you're kind of going, I'd love to watch Ozark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool, exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Ports 96 FM